The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. This is episode 19 of season 3, and I'm Marty Gold. I'm going to be covering a lot of different topics in this edition, trying to get caught up on the mailbag, uh, a couple of tips about uh, crime, a couple of observations about crime in one of our favorite neighborhoods, uh, your uh, listener feedback, uh, so to speak, a couple of tips, going to be looking forward towards big interview that uh, uh, we're going to be getting ready for you over the course of the next week. It'll be in two parts. Uh, and so I want to wrap up the election coverage, uh, issue a correction and an apology, uh, talk about the new cabinet put forward by Wab Canoe and uh, have a few observations about uh, that lineup, <clears throat> some of the early moves uh, that have been made. Not going to dwell too long on that. I will be picking up on uh, the... Uh, the last podcast um, about the situation in the Middle East and how it was reflected in Winnipeg. I will have further observations about that that I know you're going to want to listen to. I've been asked by um, a couple of listeners to continue providing coverage to just sort of explain to the general community some of the factors at play and especially the uh, history of uh, of. Uh, wars and attacks on on Israel and things of that nature, and I'm considering it, but I, I have to figure out how to park it on the actionline.ca website and make sure you folks find out. We haven't really thought through quite yet um, how to make sure people are aware of that. Uh, when I do a podcast, of course, a lot of people are getting notification because they've subscribed through Spotify. Could be the solution is going to be to post things to YouTube as well. I just don't know, and uh, I haven't had a chance to talk with the technical back end, but we're going to figure these those logistics out. And I appreciate people asking for specific kinds of content. Um, this is not an average audience. It's an above average audience uh, of uh, people that have influence, of people that put pressure on those who have influence to listen to all segments, uh, people with great internal institutional knowledge, um, some folks much wiser than myself, uh, people from all walks of life and families from all kinds of backgrounds. And I try to integrate all that information and synthesize that to try to put to afford an accurate reflection, not uh, not forced through the DEI, uh, uh, you know, equity prism uh, of, of hyper wokeness. That's what's gotten into a lot of these uh, into a lot of these messes. So I'm going to try to cover a few different things here in this podcast and uh the best place to start is the title of this podcast. Canoe eases into Manitoba's left turn, a gentle left turn to start with, as Wab Canoe continues to try to channel Gary Dewar uh, and uh, present as a moderate. <clears throat> so far, nothing outrageous coming out of his cabinet. Um, at least it's not bloated. It's as balanced as any, any you know, woke cabinet you can imagine in terms of uh, how many genders... <laughs> And other such things, how many genders and racial backgrounds are are represented. Uh, but representation counts, so we're told. Uh, and it does count for some people, uh, more than for others. And so in the course of this, we've ended up with a cabinet 
with a Deputy Premier Minister of Health, Seniors and Long-Term Care, Uzoma Azaguara, a controversial figure in her own right that has never been looked at by the mainstream media in Winnipeg whatsoever, but uh, people are going to have four long years now to get a gander at what she is like and what she has been like as a college activist and athlete. Um, Ron Custition, Minister of Agriculture, uh, my understanding is he has qualifications for that, which is good. Matt Weed, becoming Minister of Justice and Attorney General, uh, <clears throat> always been around the seat of power of the NDP for many years in various roles. Uh, there are individuals that have some confidence in him. Uh, I've never had any dealings with the fellow. Next on the list, Nahani Fontaine, Minister of Families. Maybe she'll finally be able to look into the, all those kiss. Uh, kids that were scooped by CFS that she didn't have time to ask Greg Selinger about when she was the Aboriginal Women's Advisor getting highly paid and not one single report has been identified that she ever filed in exchange for that sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year she made. Well, now she's got it made. She's got her own office. Minister of Families, Minister Responsible for, Access- for, Responsible for Accessibility, Minister Responsible for Gender Equity, Bernadette Smith, Minister of Housing, Addictions and Homelessness, and Minister Responsible for Mental Health. Uh, we'll get back to her in a minute. Uh, Nella Altamari, the Minister of Education, that was expected. Ian Bushy, uh, Minister of Municipal Northern Affairs, Indigenous Economic Development, that was expected. Malaya Marcelino, I'll say this, put in as Minister of Labor and Immigration, sort of something you'd expect from an elected NDP official named Marcelino. But I've heard, I've never met her. I don't know anything about her. I can't say I've ever been impressed by anything I've seen put out under her name. But people that have dealt with her at the constituency level speak very highly of her as as a person and as someone who's genuinely, legitimately helpful. That's the kind of quality you do want in an MLA, especially for an inner city riding that has individuals facing a variety of challenges. Jamie Moses, uh, the Minister of uh, Development, Investment, Trade, and Natural Resources. Um, he'll be a star, uh, a rising star in the NDP caucus. Lisa Naylor, Minister of Transportation and Infrastructure. Let's have a good laugh. Minister of Transportation, something tells me there may be times where she'll have to coordinate with her um, counterparts in North Dakota and Minnesota. This is the woman who uh, complained of uh, convoy, the convoy presence at the legislature causing her uh, to be triggered by the sight of an American flag and how against American imperialism she is. See, here's the challenges when you have this kind of a far-left extremist woke caucus. So far, it hasn't bust out into a problem, but here's an immediate example where a portfolio is going to come a-clashing with the past statements and beliefs and behaviors of the representative of the office, Adrian Sala, Minister of, of Finance responsible for PUB Hydro. That means he'll be uh, handing out some slush positions at some of these uh, some of these boards uh, uh MPI going to be the first, according to what uh, Premier Canoe said. Renee Cable rewarded for her attempted intimidation of Robert Falcon Ouellette, but as being Minister of Advanced Education and Training. That's where they bury the, the, the Aaron Selby types, you know, the really, really qualified individuals that come into cabinet. Tracy Schmidt, Minister of the Environment and Climate Change, etc., etc. Oh, Glenn Samard. Uh, Getting in that Brandon representation, I don't know anything about Glenn Samard. 
uh, responsible for Francophone Affairs for the Liquor and Lotteries Commission, so he'll be doling out some choice board positions as well. And the Minister of Sport, Culture, Heritage, and Tourism. Good luck to him. Uh, Bernadette Smith already has promised a so-called safe injection site. Will she volunteer her neighborhood, I ask? Will she volunteer where she lives? Which is not, by the way, anywhere too close to the boundary of the Point Douglas riding that she represents. I'm not saying she's going to should be volunteering her constituency. She should be volunteering the neighborhood where she lives in a different constituency for a potential safe injection site. I've already gotten feedback from City Hall about what the expectation of some might be about the establishment of any such facility. Uh, although the headline uh, uh, representing Burnett Smith's uh, comment, uh, it carefully noted uh, safe injection site in Manitoba. Um, that may be a hint that there's a First Nation I can't see a municipality stepping forward for this unless there's some municipality with a like an empty army. I don't want to say army base, but like some facilities. I don't know if that really, I mean, it might exist in Manitoba, but nothing pops to mind. Could be that there's already a deal in the works for some community somewhere. Although I, again, I, I don't know. I don't know how any of that's going to work because as we know, if you scan the interwebs, you'll find the rates in BC have skyrocketed. More people dropping dead of drug overdoses than ever before. So tragically mismanaged by the NDP that the BC Conservatives have surged in popularity and, as one commentator said, rightly so. Don't BBC, don't pander to harm reductionists and their greasy nonprofits. They'll suck you dry and cause record deaths. Focus on treatment, focus on recovery. I can get behind that. Uh, now, one thing before I step aside from the election coverage uh, once and for all, and, I, and, and you'll hear after the break, a number of those uh, episodes of those podcasts, the breaking news that we provided, uh, are, uh, constitute our top 10 episodes, to, uh, most listened to episodes. Uh, and I will be touching on that after the break. <clears throat> but there's uh, an, an overdue apology and a correction. I, I Things got a little out of schedule because of the outbreak of the war, as I explained in the last podcast. And so I'm, I'm a little bit backed up, but I promise to do this. Uh, it was brought to my attention uh, that I didn't interpret the election night coverage on global TV correctly here in, in Winnipeg. And, and the video, I was told, listen, the video's online, and I promised to review it, and I've done so. And, and I'm providing a, a link to it. Um, and so I was wrong, and, and uh, someone who was rightly concerned pointed this out, that I unfairly roasted Rosanna Hampel, that she actually did state in her intro, very respectfully that, uh, to, to an interview that Dude Lamont had announced from the stage, uh, that that he had uh, uh, resigned. She used the term the former liberal leader. She explained the premise, and it's very hard, as I've explained. I I, I don't I I know Dougal Lamont. It, he was in a bad spot. Um, it's very hard uh, emotionally, right, to to see that kind of situation. Hard as an interviewer, but she actually handled it uh, really well. She got tripped up by a broadcast partner who said, "Are you going to continue to lead your party?" And that's what led to the fiasco. Uh, it somehow hadn't sunk in that he was not leading the Liberal Party anymore. In any case, although I do think that she was very nervous on camera. And, I, I, and you know, 
sometimes people get put in a bad position and you don't like to see it. Uh, it's unlikely in this day and age anybody's jumping up and down saying, make me the anchor and stuff like that. Although I suppose it could still, I suppose these things could still happen. But I think there's a lot less of that in the modern, the way modern newsrooms are run in any event. Uh, although she was nervous on camera, Rosanna Hempel, like, through the evening, she handled that interview well. I was unfair in my criticism. Um, she handled it with Dua Lamont very appropriately and without reservation. And I've never met her, but without reservation, I apologized to her. Uh, and, and I apologized to her because I, I should have been throwing her colleague under the bus and, and not her. But as I've said before, not everyone is suited to be in front of a TV camera. Uh, and uh, uh, some people, how do I put this? Modern broadcasting has tried to streamline the whole process that single individuals should shoot stories, edit stories, voice stories. It doesn't work that way. These are specialized tasks. Shooters and, uh, meaning cameramen, and reporters worked as a team and would survey the scene at a press conference or at some evolving uh, outbreak of news, so to speak. And um, people get put into the wrong roles nowadays sometimes because of uh, uh, reconfiguration, contraction, Trudeau, and that's why I'm here. Try to provide an alternative, try to provide something that's different. And in this case, when I was alerted that I uh, was right to criticize the media, but I criticized the wrong person, I, as I say, I apologize to Rosanna Hemphill. And if I ever meet her, I'll re- reiterate this apology to her in person. Uh, and uh, and hopefully that, uh, that satisfies individuals who didn't want me to roast somebody unnecessarily. And you're right, there's so many easy targets in Winnipeg media that uh, no need for me to, to make a mistake like that. And I'll, uh, I'll endeavor to be better in four years' time if I cover the next election. After the break, um, more about the reflection of Middle Eastern affairs here in Winnipeg, on our streets, in our community. Uh, Mailbag and more coming up right after this. Actionline.ca. Let's get right down to business. Our launch event exclusive interview with Andrew Marquez of Gem Equities. It looked like we were off to a good start. Then from there on, it was just jumping through hoops. The man who beat the city of Winnipeg in court, was awarded $5 million and counting. They try to interfere with his development. And then we just realized this was essentially a game. Here, Andrew Marquez tell his story. This planner had a meeting with Councillor Orlico, and Council Orlico said, slow down the plan, basically stop it. On ActionLine.ca. Is your business plagued by thefts and break-ins? Is your residential property under siege by out-of-control crime and vandalism? You need effective safety measures to protect your property. Jamrock Security can help you today. We have the expertise to deliver the right solutions and get your security problems under control. Call 204-880-1564 or contact our website, jamrocksecurity.ca. Do security. Do it smart. Jamrock Security. And uh, back with a part two of uh, the Greek Canadian Talk Show podcast, episode 19, all the episodes available on actionline.ca. 
www.thebigbusinessshow.ca. We are right down to business. I'm going to be following up on many of the stories that we covered. We've eased off a little bit on the civics. I encourage you all to check out the stories in our archive. Check out the interview, three-part interview, with Andrew Marquez of Gem Equities, describing the case in which he was awarded $5 million and counting against the city of Winnipeg and with a pending expropriation determination, I think it's a ruling at a hearing, uh, that uh, potentially could put the city of Winnipeg on the hook for 90 million dollars, as well as he explained in part three of our uh, exclusive interview, the loss of um, of of uh, of investment, Uh, big money players not wanting to come to Winnipeg and play ball because they don't trust City Hall and neither do you. And so I encourage you to listen to that as well as uh, other episodes of uh, the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. The um, one thing that's kind of left over, it's sort of post-election, as was revealed on Thursday morning and discovered, I'm told, by those close to, to uh, former Premier Heather Stephenson, like first thing in the morning, like 6, 6.30 in the morning. <clears throat> Her Instagram account had been hacked. Her photo had been replaced replaced by a picture of a uniformed Mujahideen terrorist. Uh, her, um, I, I'm, I'm, I, it would be the description, right? Tagline had been changed from you know leader of the official opposition or whatever it would have said. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. with what looks like, it's very small, but it looks like a Palestinian flag. And also, a a map, it's from like a, how do I put this, an overhead map, like from a satellite, way up, but with the border drawn of uh, Israel, except labeled Palestine. And so, the former premier was hacked, posting pro-Palestinian messages, although, that saying... From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, is a pro-Hamas message. Let there be no mistake. And I mean no mistake. The last episode, uh, last episode of this uh, podcast, um, it dealt with these Hamas fans that have emerged across Canada and the world people who cheer on the butchery and incineration of grandparents, infants, the disabled, foreign workers from Asian countries, Bedouins, Arabs, ambulance drivers, slaughtered mercilessly. And they have a fan club in many cities across Canada. I described that. Hamas celebrated across Canada where evil comes to thrive. That is a comment that was made by Tristan Hopper. And I think I'm going to be moving towards having an interview, seeing if he can do an interview here on this podcast. A lot of observations. I encourage you to listen to that episode. Uh, The response from within the Facebook group, which is a valuable tool uh, to get feedback and to find out what's going on in the community. Thank you, Marty. Excusing Hamas is condoning Hamas. And then I was alerted. Person said, just saw it on CTV News, the pro-Hamas rally downtown shouting, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Looked like the rally was on Broadway by the legislature. Uh, I was, I 
whatever I was doing, I wasn't like up to date on exactly which marches were going on simultaneously. I'm not like manning a news desk here and there's no tick, 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 teletype or anything. One of our other Facebook group members said, I was at it. Check things out. They still said that Israel bombed the hospital, killing over 500. And there was definitely from the river to the sea chance. So I said, well, misinformation and genocide expressed on Broadway. This is in Winnipeg, folks. Public group claiming Israel bombed the hospital, thoroughly disproven. And that chant. I'm going to see now a little experiment. I'm going to try to play the audio, just so there's no doubt. And I want you, if this concerns you, you direct your city councillor to this moment in the podcast, this time code, so they hear it and they understand. And I know that there's people on council are concerned. I know there's people in the community that are concerned. But if somebody had a rally in support of Germans back in the day, and they had gone down the streets or stood around and chanted the same things as the, let's say, Waffen-SS or the Wehrmacht. What would the reaction have been exactly to something like this, but in German? I'm looking at the video. That's on the steps of the legislature. It's the same chant that's chanted in Amman, Jordan, in Egypt, in Lebanon, in Syria. Almost certainly in Turkey. Various European capitals fighting riots. You know, they may not have told you if you make the mistake of watching CBC and CTV and Global TV to, you know, to any great extent. They may not have told you what's gone on with streets being taken over by Islamic protesters, as, as well as various other forms of, of uh, uh, pro-Palestinian groups from various other communities, uh, various other, not necessarily from, from the Middle East is what I'm saying, right? Whether they're Muslim, whether they're church groups, peace groups, uh, far left, Marxist, uh, uh, Maoist, etc., etc. All the fringe elements that that have glommed on to this cause of you know third world liberation mixed with islamist theology just great matter of fact with regards to what you just heard on thursday morning cbc radio did a brief on that rally and broadcast the genocide chant in better audio then they had some leader and they they didn't quite have the name right i think i know who it is Mutter phony sentiments about Jews and Palestinians coming together for peace. Well, okay. So, Marty, you being media savvy, isn't it against CRTC's regulations for any public broadcaster to broadcast genocidal hate speech without any qualification or clarification? There is no CBC persona advising listeners what the chant means, nor any comment whatsoever suggesting that chant should be condemned. Basically, CBC Radio just rebroadcast hate speech. That's CBC Radio Winnipeg. City councillors should be concerned about it. MLAs too. 
Although some MLAs may have said things in the past that would be very inconvenient to come to light now. My focus is on the city of Winnipeg. The mayor of Winnipeg. That was chanted in the streets. The media does a story about it with no qualification or context whatsoever. This is similar to how uh, when the closed captioning comes up for on Al Jazeera, that when there's various chants about Kaibar uh, Kaibar al-Yahud, about slaughtering Muhammad, slaughtering uh, Jews in a battle uh, some 1,500 years ago, uh, it's a chant that's used to intimidate, to put fear of further slaughter into Jews, or, you know, I suppose other infidels. And the word Yahud is translated on Al Jazeera to Israeli. Well, no. <laughs> I'm a Yahud. Yehudi, a Jew. You see how the media erases the anti-Semitic root of what they try to portray as a land dispute. Riots and scenes from Europe are playing out well in Europe, as I mentioned, in Ottawa, Hamilton, Toronto. As Hen Mazik put it, for a full week, people debated if Hamas beheaded Israeli babies or just burned them alive. And yet this week, it took exactly one minute to spread the lie that Israel bombed the hospital in Gaza when all the evidence shows that they didn't. And even today, as I record this, the prime minister saying, whoa, are we in our alleys? We're, we're still studying this. With the U.S., never mind the U.S., you can't trust them. And plenty of video on this one. Gaza missile fired from Gaza. Boom. Killed between 10 and 50 in a parking lot. Didn't hit a hospital. But that talking point was used to cause a version of Kristallnacht in ancient Jewish communities overseas, the synagogue in Tunisia completely uh, torched, rubbled. This support for Hamas extended to an interview uh, to show the depth of it, I, I want to explain this fairly. To show the depth of this support for Hamas, it extended. Uh, it was illustrated by an interview that was done by David Menzies of Rebel Media at one of these protests. I think it was Toronto, might have been Mississauga. I think it was Toronto, in which a young lady wearing uh, Kalishnikov earrings said that everything Hamas did in the raid into Israel was direct quote, folks, justified. The rape, the pillage, the theft, the slaughter, the butchery, the murder, the torture. Esra Karam was a pretty notable figure for a day or two there. And so I contacted what looked like her employer and said, I want to talk to you about whether there's an anti Semitism problem with your company, what Holocaust education is provided to your employees, what sort of screening your company does to ensure that supporters of Hamas and other terrorist groups are not employed by you. It took a few days. The email bounced around. I didn't think anything of it once I didn't get an answer. I mean, they're having a bad day. And I got a response from a fellow named Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, Matheson. We have had countless emails and the social media communications have been devastating to our company and our employees. Worst of all, this individual, Esra, does not work for convenience group. And these guys are nobodies. They have some sort of a big-time contract with 3M. Her employment with convenience group was false information that was gathered from misinformation on LinkedIn. Unfortunately, companies do not have the ability to edit or correct LinkedIn, only the individual that owns a profile. 
Some of these incoming emails have even been aggressive and disgusting in nature with vulgar verbiage. It's unfortunate that as people fight for what's right, sometimes the small details and validity of information is missed. It can have devastating effects to great standing companies and their employees. I kindly ask that you assist us in spreading the word that the posted information the individual was employed with us was incorrect. Even the messaging going around, uh, and there had been an address for somebody there, uh, who presumably was like HR, was misguided as he hasn't worked for the company for years. Here's a quote from, I guess, the... I guess a fellow that sent this, actually, I assume. I believe all of Convenience Group's current employees have the same values as I do. I do not condone or support any individuals or groups' opinions or actions that bring harm or hardship to another person. Thanks again. And I really hope you're willing to assist in communicating these areas. errors. I look forward to your response. I sent a response to Jeff Matheson. I told him I would get this information on the record. I'll find ways of promoting it online. And the fact that I have addressed this as part of the podcast. And that's it's something that you know you don't really consider. Um, there are a lot of highly educated individuals that are being flagged for blatantly supporting terrorism uh, at many American universities, um, healthcare facilities. There's all sorts of doctors, psychiatrists, uh, uh, students that are finding out the hard way that you can't be an anti-Semite and endorse savagery from the 7th century and expect to be ex- accepted in general society. But there are Hamas supporters here. Many of them are in university. Many of them are in political science, uh, political studies fields. Uh, one, Dina Alkilani, went on uh, like a work to rule at the University of Toronto. She's some sort of a teacher's aide. And she would, was not going to go to any more lectures. She would only grade pre-approved uh, uh, essays or projects or whatever because it's just so hard on her because imperialism and colonialism and apartheid and white supremacy and sent this letter around to the uh, community. Uh, you know what? I think she might have been York University, actually. Not U of T. The day of the attacks, she retweeted another pro-Palestinian person of some import. Israel bears full responsibility for this and for what's to come. This would never have happened. If Israel didn't occupy, blockade, and kill Palestinians every single day, she supported this point of view. But outrage is reserved for when Israelis experience a fraction of what they make Palestinians live through. She retweeted that the day of the attacks. When the Prime Minister spoke of Hamas's terrorist attacks against Israel, direct quote, the world has again been reminded that anti-Semitism has not gone away. Jewish communities across the country and around the world face this hate every single day. That is what Justin Trudeau tweeted on October 16th. This PhD candidate for uh, uh, in uh, political studies, this scumbag PM is not backing down from inciting hate and division among Canadians. Obviously, he's calling for more Illinois-like incidents to happen across our country. Meaning, of course, the uh, six-year-old kid who uh, and his mother who were attacked, and the kid was uh, was murdered by a 71-year-old, definitely not Jewish and definitely not Muslim, uh, seemingly seemingly senile and deluded old man landlord. She thinks Trudeau, warning about anti-Semitism, is encouraging people to randomly just start killing Muslims. So, therefore, Trudeau's a scumbag encouraging more murder and inciting hate and division. Calling Ben Shapiro a Zio-Nazi and claiming that a picture of an incinerated baby was generated by AI. 
That's the kind of person who's working as a teacher's aide in a university in Toronto. And so that's what's in our universities. That's what's in academia. That's the kind of hate. It's Israel, the illegitimate child of Uncle Sam and the grandchild of Balfour. That's the kind of hate that's out there. And it's coming out. And we're seeing it. And so before I go into the break, then I'll come back with the mailbag and more. Uh, To those of you that have reached out, those of you that have communicated with me privately, whether it's through messenger, text, my neighbor across the lane, it's much appreciated. It's good to see how many people recognize the pure evil that is represented by the attack on Israel and the necessity to mitigate that risk once and for all. There's no negotiating with people who kill based on their religious beliefs. And for those who don't understand it, well, again, those that do understand it have been stepping forward. And I appreciate that. I appreciate your comments, uh, both about this situation and supporting the podcast in general. And um, it means a lot because we're also seeing who's not stepping forward, who's not making sure that there's no equivocation. Uh, Wab Canoe's taking heat from people for statements supporting Israel's right to defend itself and uh, not standing with Hamas. And he gets criticized for it. And some of those people maybe have even voted for him. I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted their votes any more than anybody else would. And at complicated times, the as I say, that kind of support from you, it's helpful. And if the information I bring for it, I'm going to continue to keep an eye on what's going on in Winnipeg. And I'm saying this now. We clearly, video evidence, newsrooms reporting, a chant was, was made that means essentially no Jews in the Holy Land. That is the purpose of that chant, to return it to an is to an, basically an Islamic state. It doesn't mean free from Israeli rule and they'll have some sort of democratic elections. It's a threat to the safety of Jews. It's not just a threat to Israelis. It's a threat not only to Zionists. It's a threat to all Jews, even those who are peace activists, were murdered, slaughtered, and are held captive, presumably still to this moment in Gaza. So I'm urging you to urge your city councilors to take a stand to make sure the police are, on, are, 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 are given the resources they need to ensure the community is protected and that this kind of hate is not allowed to spread in the streets of Winnipeg and be legitimized so that kids in our schools see it on the news and think they can go marching down the hallway and imitating this kind of behavior, as has happened in California. Back with more of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast right after this. Whether you're concerned, rush hour, people can't get home in this city. Angry or motivated. Which he hasn't mentioned anything about and didn't do anything about when he was in charge. Because that, that's a small stuff. Actionline.ca, letting you know you have the power. It didn't matter if they're NDP, liberal, conservative. They'd say, well, that's really expensive. I'd say, yeah, you know what else is expensive? Firefighters. 
water. Home of the great Canadian talk show. The point of uselessness when he wielded influence around the halls of 510 Main Street. With Marty Gold. The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive in the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online thehivehaircompany.com A little bit of analytics and a few stories from our mailbag about topics that we frequently cover and I'll try to make this fast and uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate you folks hanging in. I'm able to see... um, how long, you know, which segments retain audience. I'm very, I'm gl- glad I can tell you, like people listen to almost all of these episodes and, and especially through the election season. Um, what's in a name? Ask Nahani Fontaine, the runaway most listened to, uh, just shattered all records. Uh, the former magistrate, the 88 year old who was Sunday punch at downtown bus stop, which was the number one is now number two. East St. Paul parents stop school from canceling Mother's Day. Uh, that was really the first uh, podcast we had that really, you know, popped a, popped a number, as they say. That is still number three. And right with it, crime from homeless camps overwhelms Point Douglas. Uh, those episodes are very significant. Um, the one of them in particular uh, about Fontaine being election coverage. And then the five slot, uh, our interview with Robert Falcon, who let very very listened to. Um, in August, again, not election coverage, but during the election period, I, I think what happened was people started catching on to the crime stuff and started listening to the election reporting and vice versa. Uh, when the killer of Paul Radikaj died in custody and I had an interview with the, with his daughter about the case and about, the, you know, the there's no real justice in that. Um, Wob's waffle to the right wins... Uh, our analysis of the election itself, also a top 10 material sitting in, uh, I guess that's four, if I said that number seven, number eight spot. Uh, how the media ignored election intimidation and the attack on uh, on Heather Stephenson's constituency office, the def- defacing of her signage, etc. cetera. Uh, that, again, top 10, that's election coverage. Our interview with Tori Michael Birch, there was a lot of stuff in that uh, uh, that we covered in a very short interview, and I and it was popular. I think because it was so short, it was only about a ten minute listen. Uh, Might have been even shorter than that, and that's a top ten. And then Saint Boniface bike lane plan double crosses bank and bike lobby, and we will have more about bike lanes. And right behind it, about the Provence biz calling for United Front to halt the bike lane plan. We're going to be having more about bike lanes uh, in the near in the near future. Now, why? Well, <clears throat> you're going to find out soon. Some of these clowns inside the city administration don't think they're done. The public might have a different point of view if only they get filled in. But this whole process is skewed, biased, prejudiced, uh, slanted, rigged from the mailbag. The survey about how do you feel about the 30 and 40 kilometer neighborhoods that have been established. I just filled out a survey, says a listener. Like other surveys, it's biased and subject to being skewed by special interest groups such as Bike Winnipeg. See question number 14. I haven't looked yet. I'll let you folks know. They continue to do their own surveys instead of hiring a proper survey company to do a statistically valid survey. I told them this in the survey. More window dressing to produce the data they want. See, City House spends a lot of time on this kind of crap. But things are actually important or meaningful. They don't. For instance... 
David Grant made a presentation to Executive Policy Committee in the past seven weeks, he said, we've had small election signs across the city. This is part of a broader presentation he made, but he's just honing in on a point about bylaw enforcement. Thousands of them violated the sign bylaw. Why does the city's 311 system ignore such violations by professionals who should know better and can afford to pay fines? Was anyone fined for election sign bylaw violations a year ago or in the past seven weeks? Excellent question. So you see how the city administration, elements within it, lobby groups that have their ear, that they skew things in certain directions. And you heard last week uh, our uh, coverage about uh, Councillor Russ Wyatt taking on bike lanes at the uh, Public Works Committee meeting. And you heard Councillor Rollins uh, reference that she and Councillor Lukes are proponents of Vision Zero. What does Vision Zero stand for? I'm just going to explain this for a minute, just as a signpost. So when we come back to this topic in the next little while about bike lanes and, and you know, tra- traffic calming and all this other stuff, people understand what they, what they mean, what they stand for. The main cause of death and injury in our roads and of what they call ecocide, Ecoside equals dependency on private motor vehicles. Canada's, this is from 2018, in a pathetic 28th place for per capita road deaths. Are we in the top five for like icy roads or something, by the way? Road violence, this is what they call it, road violence, will worsen in Canada's most populous province with the end to cap and trade. So this is some reference to people won't stop driving cars if Ontario doesn't cap and trade. Like, they're nuts! Road violence? Ecocide? Privately funded vehicles are killing people. So when you hear Vision Zero, this kind of nuttiness that forms the pillars of their philosophical beliefs. From the mailbag about crime. When we were calling a large office to report on the druggies who choose to be homeless, his former assistant, Ryan Palmquist, now a school trustee, told me they're just looking for a quiet place out of the way to do their drugs. Makes me think, was Ryan a druggie? Well, I don't think that was the case. People know that people doing drugs often seek, not always, I mean, we've seen it all, and it's more so now you see it more in public in Winnipeg than you used to, but, you know, around the corner in the back lanes, which also creates danger. So, you know, for Ryan Palmquist to have ex- excused, well, they're just looking for a quiet place out of the way, to do the drugs that are going to kill them. That's, and when they're in a buzzed, warped state, trespass, commit crime, property crimes, etc. So you see what the attitude was anyways in Matt Allard's office as St. Boniface continued to get afflicted with more and more crime and public disorder. The shopping carts are lined up behind Kavanaugh Park now and residents say a bunch of known druggies are living in there too. Uh... They think that they have an identification in the neighborhood on an apartment block of interest. They believe that there are people going down to the river and coming up again. And this relates back to what we reported that no one else in the media reported earlier in the summer. There's activities at homeless camps around the Seine River. This on the opposite side of where the Dairy Queen is on Provence going up in that direction. You had mysterious people with motorcycles coming around Kavanaugh Park. 
people wearing masks all the time so no one can see their faces. The SWAT team showed up at a house based on a gun call, apparently. Generally threatening behavior going on in that neighborhood. Councillor Mattelard, their reputed representative, silent. Why is that? Why is it that if it doesn't involve bike lanes... Oh, and speaking of bike lanes, and before I forget... I'll head in this direction. The bike lanes on Goulet that were put in after no one at the open house, the consultants did not say, you see this part right here that you're arguing with us about? Well, you know what? Tough shit, because that's going to be built this summer anyways. Nobody said it. There's a lot of problems with this approach the city's taken that's going to get some people, I think, in a lot of trouble. And I think there's a, potential, a, great, a, a great potential for trouble, for fire and brimstone, for heat relating to, again, not just Goulet, but this includes River and Osborne, uh, River and uh, Stradbrook, rather, that Russ Wyatt grilled Council Rollins on. And this all start over in Wolseley. This whole coordination of, of disrupting businesses across neighborhoods, which will lower property values, which will create a donut effect. And City Hall seemingly unresponsive, even though they're supposed to be responsive to it. Well, the next episode of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, you are going to be hearing about what I've just described, but went on to the Public Works Committee last week. Uh, Why the issue of the bike lanes, loss of parking, the rights of the property owners that affects not only River and, and Stradbrook, but this is the same rights that property owners and uh, uh, renters, business uh, businesses located on Goulet and on Marion should also have. And then the nuttiness of thinking you're going to close off a Cinnaboyan at Maine, abandoned for good reason, but nobody wants to remember it. They'd rather pay the administration to go and try to reinvent a wheel that simply will not turn smoothly. And so the next episode of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, we'll be re, uh, revisiting these subjects and uh, perhaps a few others with a long, uh, long-time close uh, personal friend of this program in its various iterations, including Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. Uh, a matter of fact, on Wave FM and then on Kick FM, and then with City Circus on Shaw TV and with the podcast iterations and now back again, joining us for a lengthy interview about why he raised these issues at, at uh, the Public Works and what he's concerned about. Some of the things that concern him about what's going on at City Council now that he's back in his chair after a four-year absence from Transcona. City Council Russ Wyatt, I uh, conducted an extensive interview with him. You're going to hear basically part one of that interview. I'm hoping to have that out Sunday night in time for Monday morning, and you are not going to want to miss it. It's going to touch on many of the subjects that we've discussed here in this episode and in previous uh, episodes uh, as well. Uh, I'm going to leave that leave it there. You've hung in for long enough. Thank you for your support. If you want to advertise, get on board. Christmas is coming. Hanukkah is coming. New Year's is coming. 
sponsorship for uh, other features. We're going to start trying to break things off. So the city hall coverage will be in one, uh, you know, one part of Action Line, as you know, specifically uh, with co- with shorter commentaries and podcasts. Provincial coverage. Just try to split this up, make it a little more accessible for people. I understand that so many of you really like the, you know, the the long lecture, so to speak. You know, the long form interview, and I do prefer it. But we're trying to figure out ways of making things a little more accessible, a little more, uh, you know, bite size. But now's the time to get behind it. There is no Trudeau here. There is no foundations. There's no inheritance. I'm not a trust fund baby. I've worked and scraped through my entire life. And here I am, still doing what I learned to do really as a teenager. To be involved in civics, to be involved in my community, to stand up for what's right, to make sure people who are hardworking don't get screwed around when it comes to their ability to enjoy their home, enjoy their property, enjoy the businesses around them, enjoy the streets safely. And as a Jewish kid growing up in the North End in the air, I did, although things had slackened off considerably, there was still risk and threat. And we had to learn how to navigate that. As a cab driver, I learned what safety meant. And I learned it even more working in a vendor and as a DJ and all those other kinds of jobs that I had running the Royal Albert, providing absolutely essential housing for people that were completely marginalized. Where I got great help from the police on the beat. And help from a lot of people. So I've been in the trenches. I've gotten my hands dirty. I've covered these elections. I brought forward news nobody else will, and I take on the sacred cows. To do that, I need your help. I need your support, whether it's through donations through PayPal or Interact, whether it's through other uh, other projects that may come up where I can be of service and be available hosting live events. Specialty podcasts, specialty segments. There's a lot of creativity here. But if somebody doesn't cover City Hall, businesses, as you're going to hear, businesses are going to suffer because businesses come last. You as a property owner in a traditional neighborhood, a traditional family, you come last with City Hall. They can't even get the streets fixed on time at all. And you're going to hear more about that. And lots more coming up in the next uh, couple of episodes, of course, the next couple of episodes with Russ Wyatt. If you enjoy the interviews I do with Russ Wyatt, Jeff Brawati's on the radar. Janice Luke's going to get invited. Uh, long overdue for Schreier and Mays. But I'll be able to go back to covering City Hall the way you need it covered. That requires your help, your assistance, your support. And so I'm just asking you to consider that now as we head into the winter so that we can move out of the election phase. And thank you to my sponsors and, and supporters through that phase. It was important. But now I'm going to move into the, the next phase of the development of Action Line with the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast as the, as the sort of the keynote address every week of what we try to do to be a headquarters, a hub of activity for public affairs in Winnipeg, where you know that when I get a tip, when I get somebody on the phone, when I file a Freedom of Information request, you know it's because I believe, like Peter Warren did, 
that it's time to get down to business and ask hard questions and search for answers. But unlike Peter Warren at CJOB, I do not have a corporate backer. I do not have a corporate sponsor. I do not have a secretary. I do not have producers and associate producers and newsmen in the field. I do have some stringers, but don't have, uh, you know, uh, what was his name? Victor Nirenberg at City Hall. And, you know, I, do, I don't have that. Times have changed. I'm trying to do something that's kind of old fashioned, but very necessary for the city of Winnipeg. So take a moment. Consider what you can do to help. Whether it's an interact transfer, PayPal, write a check, whatever it takes. Keep this train going. Keep me on the track and I will give 110% to watch out for you and your interest because God knows the mainstream media doesn't do it in Winnipeg anymore and radio doesn't do it. We've seen how TV, not a moment dedicated to public affairs on Winnipeg TV. I'm trying to provide that with your help. We're going to continue to grow the audience and grow the interest and and ensure that there's a stable financial base so this work can be advanced and so that I can start training other people, young people, and how to do what I do, following in the footsteps of Yarma Mizrahi and Nick Turnett and Henry Carvalho and Wade Tudor Williams and Claudia Wright and all the others who were pioneers, pioneers of human rights Civil rights. You don't hear that talk. Marl disappeared, Mantle Associate for Rights and Liberties. Where are they? They don't speak out. I will speak out because I know and I respect that what really matters here in the city of Winnipeg is one thing that you have the power. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email TGCTS1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to TGCTS1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at TGCTS.